Amen. How many love the Lord with all your heart? Amen. It's good to be in church. So if we could, let us open our Bibles to Revelations, the first chapter. And I'm going to let you be seated because I'm going to keep this through, refer, maybe refer back to it throughout the sermon. Um, so just to give you a little bit of backdrop on the series, we're going into a, an exposition of the book of Revelations. And... My thought is, how many people like an itinerary or an agenda laid out that you know what's coming up and what's next? Amen. Where, you're, where you come from, where you're going, and what will be. Well, God did that in His Word, and many times we don't draw the benefits because it's not properly explained. And as the church and the world, people in the world, they have no idea what's going on right now. Amen? No idea. They look and see the chaos in the world. They, they look at themselves. They look at the church. And they just don't know what's going on. And think, oh, it's, just a, it's such a weary time. It's such a, it's such a dark time. What do you mean dark? Dark means I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I can't see. That's why they refer to it as a, a dark time. Amen? But it's, it's not so. God's in total control, and He's already explained to us everything that's going to happen. Amen? He actually gave you the book, and let us read the last chapter. We know how it ends. We know who wins. Amen? And it's to the church that's learned, it's an, e it's an easy ride. Amen? So, let me give you just a little bit of black backdrop. So, Christ had risen from the dead. Amen? And... God had, had reestablished the Jewish nation from their exile. They were carried away. He brought them back, reestablished them. There was called the 400 silent years before Christ, B.C., 400 years. He reestablished them. There was a small time where they tried to rule themselves. It was under the Maccabean era. And they had a dispute. They asked Rome to help. Rome came in, the big gorilla in the room. Rome came in and subjugated them. And then Rome subjugated the Jewish nation. And everybody knows about the Grecian era, Alexander the Great, that was right before the era of Rome. Rome came in after Alexander fell. His kingdom broke up into four different kingdoms. Rome came up as the big gorilla on the scene, subjugated the Greek world, and all the outlying regions round about. So the Jews come back out of exile, and remember, God had carried them away because of their idolatry. He got, after a while, he's just done with them, I'm so done with you. You ever been that way with somebody? They take advantage of you so much, so much, so much, and after a while, you're like, I am done. I'm done. Never again. I would kick myself for, for, for bringing you back in my life the, the last time. You ever did it? This is the way God did with the Jews. Absolutely, I'm so done with you. I want nothing to do with you. You have so betrayed me the last time. But there was a bunch of prophecies that had to be fulfilled. God had said, I'm done. And he let, let the Babylon nation come down and just take them over. Enslave them, carry them away, wipe out Jerusalem. You're done for. God was now satisfied. You're out of my life. That's the way God felt. But there was a bunch of prophecies talking about Christ. He would be born the seed of the woman, and he would be born in Jerusalem. So God let a little strain come weak, uh, eking its way out of Babylon back into the Palestine land. Sprung up, and if we understand it correctly, it's only for a reason. Everything God does is for a reason. It's a nest. Because it was prophesied that Christ would be born in that nation. And out of that woman. So he lets that little come back out. A little, and he prepares a nest. Christ is born. His ministry is fulfilled. 
They do exactly what they've always done when God was around them. What did they do? They didn't embrace Him with open arms. They persecuted Him. They even got to the point where they're so done with you, we nailed His hide, His flesh, to a hunk of wood. That makes us feel good. That's the way the religious always do to God. Amen? And that's what they did to His Word. And they did what they had always done every time God came amongst them. And he knew they would do it. So the Jewish nation pops up, and it's a nest for that seed to come be born in. So that seed was born there. But remember, what what was his, before he brought this back, what was his mind? I'm done with you. He didn't change it. Just like you meet that person that has taken advantage of you so much, and I'm done. And then you might have to go pick something up from them just because you came in contact with them again. Didn't change your mind. Well, just because God brought a little remnant back out. And remember, there was 12 tribes in Israel. Okay? The first carrying away was the first 10 tribes. They never brought them back. Not, not, they're into the whole world. And we, talk, we call them, in history, they're called the 10 lost tribes. They just, boom, never to be heard of again. Okay? So it's not like God wanted them to be to have something to do with them again. Okay, there's two things here. So God let that little strain come back that Christ could be born in, but his mind had not changed. Just like you're running, I left something in your car and need to get that. I'm not wanting you back in my life. I just need to get that. Bye, you have a good one. This is the way God's mindset. Okay? You, you have mistreated me the last time. It's his wife, actually. If you read the scriptures, he refers to it as his wife. You have cheated on me too many times. And it can't work. So Christ is born, and all these prophecies that have been prophesied through all the prophets are now being fulfilled. And then he raises. Well, what was his mind? I'm done with you. So here comes the will of the Lord, it's coming. And what is it going to do? Do exactly what it said it's going to do. Israel, and wipe them off. Titus is on the road, the Roman general, that surrounded Jerusalem and starved them out until literally they ate, they ate each other. They ate their children. They ate the bark off the trees. They ate the grass. They literally pulled up the grass, if you read history. And they ate the grass. And Titus just sat outside waiting for them to starve to death. And then the last remnant of it run up to a place called Masada. And they ran up to Masada when the Roman generals came through the gate. And they were sitting up on Masada. Listen how deceived a human being can be. They were sitting on top of Masada saying, we're suffering for Jehovah. And they were suffering for their sins and had no idea. That Titus was down there because they had nailed him to a cross. And God was done. And they thought, bless God, we're up here standing, being persecuted by those heathen dogs for the cause of Jehovah. And the end of them was every man, because the Romans were heathens. I mean, when I say heathens, you've got to get in your mind what what they were going to do, what they did to those women and men. And those Jews knew what they were going to do. So every man grabbed his wife. And his friend took a sword and took both their heads off. And they went one after the other. And the last man standing fell on his sword. And when you read history, when the Romans got up there and they saw what had taken place, they were appalled. It was the last stand at Masada. That was it of the Jewish nation. Okay, this ripe of 30 years before then, Christ was killed right around AD 30. 
That was AD 70 when that took place, so it's 40 years. Right before that, remember, the Jews always did that. They always persecuted God. And, and then Christ said that, which one of the prophets haven't your fathers persecuted? You know what I mean? They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, they were fed to lions. They were, all these things that you did to them, every time one of the prophets came. That's what you did to the Word of God. Why? I'm just trying to get, lay this out. This is an outliner. So you help your understanding. Because religious people always do this. When Christ came, the religious did that to him. But the Bible says the sinner and the publican. The sinner was Mary Magdalene. She's, she's a whore. She's a prostitute. She sold herself. And she received him gladly. Because she didn't have nothing to judge him with. And then the, the Bible says the sinner and the publican. The publican is your everyday regular guy. You meet them. They're on the job site. They don't claim to be anything special. If you ask them where you go, their first question will be, Oh, I don't know. I hope I don't go there. I'd like to go there, but I know me. See? Your average, everyday Joe. If your name is Joe here, sorry. <laughs> your average, everyday guy. When Christ came, the religious found fault with him because he associated with them. The Bible says the religious persecuted him. But the sinner and the publican received him gladly. And the Pharisees came to Christ and said, why do you eat? Eating was a big deal then. It's the breaking of bread. It's, a, it's, it's, it's fellowshipping of life. Separate classes. Why do you eat with the sinner and the publican? Christ said, because the well does not need a physician, but the sick. You all, you got it all figured out. It's because the moment, listen to this, it's in our psyche. The moment we do something that makes us feel good, we want, we have such an insatiable desire to look down on somebody else. So the moment we do something good, even your, we call them your ultra-liberal. Why do they virtue signal? Because it's in your nature. You want to what? Do something that you feel like makes me better so then I can what? Persecute somebody else. We love doing it. So the religious, the moment they, the human race, the moment the human being does something that makes them feel good, they want to look down on somebody else. They love doing it. And by looking down, they get to climb. They feel like. So this is what they did to God. The most religious, in the most religious place of all the world, crucified the Son of Life. Crucified the most holy man and totally, 100%, completely oblivious to it. We do it in churches today. Who's the one we persecute the most? Stop and think about it. Most churches, they'll throw their arms open and say, love the homosexual. Love them. Treat, show them God's love, but the moment they disagree with somebody that has a different doctrine than though, heretic, heretical doctrine, you're going to bust hell wide open. You're like, hey, hold on. Where's all that grace? I could use just a little bit of it when you and I disagree. They don't do that. And what did Christ say? He said, they will kill you and believe they're doing God a service. Amen? Because that's the religious. Okay, so keep that in your mind. Okay, so because of that, God wiped off the Jewish nation. Just so you know, he's not completely done with them. But he said there will be a remnant after he's done with the Gentiles. A Gentile is anything that's not a Jew. So the world is comprised of 99% Gentiles. 
And after he's done with the Gentiles, there is a remnant out of the Jews that will be saved. So he'll bring them back again as a nation. Wow, he just did that, didn't he? 1947, he brought them back for the first time in 2,000 years. Must be getting close. Because out of it, he's going to reach over and pick a rose. And then wipe the rest off. What? What he doesn't. He, he said it's 144,000. He numbered them. He'll pick a rose and wipe the rest off. Amen? 12,000 out of each tribe, and he names the tribes. But he would gather them together because any Jew, if you know the scripture, any Jew that's outside of the promised land is backslidden. So how can God deal with them scattered throughout the world? They're backslidden. He has to gather them together because God deals with, deals with Israel biblically as a nation, not as an individual. He deals with his church as an individual. And out of the Gentiles, I will take a people for my name. Sam and Hannah just got married this weekend. And at the end of the service, what do we say? For the first time in public, we'd like to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Samuel David Carter. She now took his name. And God, out of the people of the world, will take a people for his name. But he never did it for the Jews. The Jews are servants. They've always been servants. And they're a nation. God deals with Israel as a nation. So he has to gather them back together and pull out a remnant, the Bible says, for his namesake. All of this is laid out in the book of Revelations. And God told the whole world what he was going to do. But what did he say? He said, well, most people don't understand it, Brother Stephen. Yeah? He said, let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. An ear is an ear of discernment through a divine revelation. Amen? So then... God is done with Israel. He's about to wipe her off. Christ said, Rose. So then, what does he got to do? Remember this. this. And I'll say this, I'll explain it later. It's a sermon within itself. But the seed is passed through the body. The body is the body of Christ, which is the believers of the world. Okay? So if God's going to do something in the Gentile world, he has to plant a seed. Because if he wipes off the Jews and there's nobody to carry the seed, there's nothing there. Can't get blood out of a turnip. So, here's judgment looming. It's, it's on a, a, I mean, you talk about a, a road of vengeance to wipe Israel off. It's coming. And Titus is its name. Amen? Well, God has to do something in the Gentile world before judgment gets there. So then when you read in Acts where God meets Paul. Paul has all of this. We call it the Torah. Every bit of it. Right here. Paul knows every bit of it. You couldn't speak. You could start, you could start two words of a scripture. And the Lord I God and Paul would finish it for you. That's how well learned Paul was. And so Paul is on his road to Damascus to wipe out that church. And God strikes him down. And, the first, and it shows Paul knows exactly what he's doing. Because that bright light, it's the pillar of fire. Paul knows this is it. This is Elohim. This is the one that led the children. The same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. The same one that was in the burning bush that spoke to Moses, that said, I am that I am, is booming right before Paul. And that great light is booming, and he strikes Paul down. And he said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Isn't it hard for you to kick against the sticker bushes with your bare feet? Doesn't that prick your soul, Paul? Paul said, listen, who are you, Jehovah? Elohim. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Who are you, Yahweh, that I am persecuting? And the light said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Paul said, I became as a dead man. 
And he said to Paul, listen to this. Remember, judgment's on the truth. It's in God's mind. He's already said what he's going to do. And he says to Paul, Paul, I have great plans for you. You will be a light to the Gentiles. And you will take, and you will suffer, Paul, great things for the cause of Christ. And you will be a light in the darkness. You will take all of what God did here that they rejected, you will pack it up in your proverbial spiritual suitcase and you will be a one-man band and you will take it with those bag of seeds and poof, into the Gentile world. And the moment it goes, poof, this one goes poof, with a flood and it's gone. It's pretty wise. It's pretty wise. And Paul did that. That's exactly what he did. He's just scattering little seeds here, little seeds there, little seeds here, little seeds there, being persecuted, abused, beat the whole time. Who's beating Paul? The whole time, who's beating Paul? In every city. The Jews, that's right. In every city, they persecuted Paul, the Jews. And what, did Paul, what was Paul? Paul's word, every one of them, he knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew what was coming. And the apostle Peter and all of them had no idea. But Peter's over in Babylon. Remember where they were carried away? There's a, still a huge Jewish communion there. And that's where Peter ends up, in Babylon. And they're scattered throughout Jerusalem. And they go into the little roads, wherever the, the Jewish roads went, the church went, and they just went back and were sucked up into the Jewish communities across the world in the Roman providences. So stop and think about that. All the church at Pentecost, those 3,000 souls that were saved and God added daily and daily, they went back into the Jewish world. And when judgment came, what happened to them? Wiped off. But Paul's the only one that went out with his little bag of seeds called the gospel. And Paul set in order the whole New Testament. And so listen to what he says. So what, what are these people, these, these Gentiles? God has never once dealt with a Gentile as a people. Never once. There's nothing out there. It's just rock. There's not one gospel seed amongst them. And Paul goes, and what does he say? Listen to his words. It's in his mind. He knows exactly what he's doing. He said, listen, at the end of the world, he's talking to the Gentiles. He said, what Peter was to the Jews, I certainly am to you. Listen, he said, I, as a wise, very wise, know exactly what I'm doing, as a wise master builder, I, personally, singularly, I have laid the foundation. We're building a building, right? What's the first thing? The foundation. I have laid the foundation and every minister afterwards, every man builds thereupon. I laid the foundation which no other man can, this is what he said, no other man can lay. I beat you to it. See, I beat you to it. It wasn't your job, it was my job. See, Paul doesn't put on the capstone crying grace, grace. No. Paul says, whatever it is at the end and whoever lays that capstone, it'll be their job. I know my job. I lay the foundation. And every man comes after me, he will build upon that foundation. And this is what he says, be careful how you build because every man's works will be tried by fire. Right. It, which is tribulation, temptation. It'll go through the fire. And if he had built thereupon wood, hay, stubble, it will be burned. Listen to this. But he himself shall be saved. You must even understand that. Because salvation is not based upon your works, is it? What's based upon your works? Your reward? Your reward is based upon your works, not your salvation. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is God's free gift. You can get the, one of the worst person that did some of the biggest harm. or did I mean, he, every, his whole life he sold himself, but he was saved by grace. And every time he got up here, preached a sermon. See, I got the, see, I got the church up. And then I reach in and hook it and say, you have, let's say like this, I could say, then you have a cursory obligation to support the gospel with your money. See? 
Say, I get you, pull you in, just pull, come on. Let's get you up, get you up. I've got you in my sermon. And then I convince it and throw it into the money. See? What am I using to do it? A gift, Brother Nathan. Using a gift. Conviction. And I'm not even preaching yet. I'm just teaching. Be careful how you build, because every man's work shall be tried by fire. But if he has built righteousness, he will have a reward. See, when you come through the gates, my wise and faithful servant, you have been faithful over little, I make you over much. See, you were good with what I gave you. You see? So this is where Paul's at. And he says, I ordained, I ordained pastors or elders and deacons in every church as I went through planting the seed. And then Paul comes down to it and says, the time of my departure has come. But listen to this. Grievous wolves will come in after me, not sparing the flock. Christ talked about the three type of preachers, shepherds, that would be in the church. There would be the wolf, the hireling, and the good shepherd. Judge them. Judge them. What does the hireling do? He said the hireling is there for what? The paycheck. There for the money. So he's not abusing the sheep. He's not going out of his way either. That family's going through a divorce. They don't pay much. I don't care if they go, come or go. You said, but Stephen, they really? Yeah. I want to watch my game. If it's the mayor's family, by all means, I'll be there. He's a hireling. He's there for the paycheck. He's there for the numbers. It's all he's there for. He's not an evil person. And he'll come up and pray for you if you're dying with cancer. And he's got spare the time and you're a good payer. He's a hireling. But then you have the wolf. The wolf, why? What does a wolf do? Feed on the sheep. He feeds on them. He abuses them. He beats them. These you lots of times turn into cults. And then what? You can't get away from me. If you ever get away from me, my ministry, this church, you're lost. See? Keep the sheep there in the slaughtering pen. Every time you want to drain one out, just eat on them. That's a, that's a wolf. And then you have the good shepherd. And what did Christ say? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He literally... What does that mean in a pastor? He actually sets his own desires aside for the good of the sheep. Actually sets his own life aside. Well, there you have those three times that will be in the church, Paul's saying. So then what he say? The time of my departure is nigh, is here. And grievous wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. You see? But I have not ceased to warn you about this. And I told you this for the last three years that it's coming. Amen. It's coming. So then, well, I'm going to speed up a little bit because it's a sermon within itself. Then, Paul dies. Remember what happened to the apostles? They scattered throughout the world, didn't they? Okay. Peter died down in Babylon. He was nailed to a cross like this. Upside down. James, the Apostle James, was nailed on a sideway cross. Remember Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas was down in Ethiopia preaching the gospel and was flayed alive. Preaching the gospel. They laid down their life for the cause of Christ. That's what historians say. One of the biggest things, even agnostic historians say, those apostles must have believed in something. They weren't propping it up, propping up a lie, because every one of them gave their life as a martyr for what they believed in. So you can't say his body, they stole his body away. People don't do that. Every one of them. And then the last one was the apostle John, which is Christ's younger brother in the flesh. The one who John said, whom Jesus loved, and he always laid his head on his bosom. That was John. 
Well, John, they tried to kill him. They couldn't kill him. They literally boiled him in a vat of boiling oil after his sentencing. Capital punishment, they boiled him alive. John just sat there for 12 hours. He wouldn't die. That's history. So they didn't know what to do with John because Christ wasn't done with John. Remember when they were going to kill Peter in jail? And the angel Lord came in and knocked him on the side and put, said, put your shoes on, Pete. We're out of here. Pete said he was, uh, the apostle Peter said he thought he was in a dream. And he just got up and followed the Lord until outside the city. The, the angel was gone. And Peter went, I'm going home. <laughs> the Lord wasn't done with him. Right. But when Peter died, the Lord was done with him. Right. Well, John, because what? God had to tell the world the rest of the story and how it's all going to end before it's over. And that was John's job. And then John said in Revelations 1, I, John, which is a servant of God, of Jesus Christ, in tribulation liken unto you. I was on the Isle of Patmos, which was a penal colony for prisoners. A little island, nothing but scorpions and lizards, snakes. They sent you there to die. I was on this island for the word of God because I was a Christian. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And God gave unto him the revelation of Jesus Christ to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. That's why John's here. And the historians say that, that they don't know whether or not John... Uh, it could have been right after the, that Jerusalem was wiped off because John did talk about a new city coming. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and the things that he showed me. Blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth the words of this prophecy. It's prophecy. Prophecy is foretelling. Prophecy. And keeps those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John and then John says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia Minor. And I'll get into this later, but let me, let me read this and then we'll close out. So I'm just telling you, John's in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God. And he's going to write down everything that's going to come to pass till the consummation. Consummation is what? When God seals everything up, pulls out a remnant for the Jews, calls up a Gentile bride, brings in the judgment of the world. We call the battle of Armageddon the Great Tribulation. We walk into the millennial reign a thousand years. After the thousand years, the battle of Gog and Magog. Then the white throne judgment comes up. The new Jerusalem, the lake of fire, and it's all, that, that's where the Bible leaves off into eternity. The new Jerusalem, and we walk out into eternity. We'll get into that. We're heading towards it. Let me read this, and then I'll let you go. So I just want to bring you up to that point where John's at. Amen? And at this point, he's the only apostle left. All of them are dead. And this was shortly after, right around the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. So you see where they're at. And, and the Jews, that they just have no clue. The little Christian church, they're, they're bewildered. But listen what Christ said in Matthew 24. I'm going to read you a parable. I'll give a small explanation and we'll explain it later. Matthew 13. Christ is telling what's going to happen. The apostles, you know, the apostles never knew exactly what he was talking about. It wasn't written for them. It was written for us. 13. It says, The same day when Jesus uh, went, went out, of the house and sat by the seaside and a great multitude came unto him and together unto him so he uh, so he went into a ship and sat there and then he began to speak and he said and he spoke many things unto them in parables saying behold a sower went forth to sow now you know what a sower is somebody that spreads seeds in the ground if you're overseeding your grass seed you're a sower okay a sower went forth to sow and he sowed some seeds. Oh, hold on. Some seeds fell by the wayside. So hold on. So let me jump over into 24. And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven 
and the kingdom of heaven is where? Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven this is the spiritual kingdom of heaven. Okay, his church, his people. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheats. And then tares are blades of, old blades of grass and everything else. And went his way. And when, and when the blades sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Now think about this. This is the church. The seeds were sown. Tares were sown amongst them. They're springing up. The apostles are leaving. Paul says that grievous wolves will come in. He's, he said they're already here. Jude, Jude the big book, the little big book. The apostle Jude writes in the book of Jude, he said the spirit of Antichrist is already entered into the world that we told you was coming. Amen? It's in the church now. And he says, and brought up the tares. So the servant of the household, they come running to their master and say, good master. I'll, I'll just preach it to you. Good master. Did not, we, did not you sow good, feed, good seed in your field? And he's like, yes, I have. He said, well then, well, what cometh the tares? How come there's tares there amongst the wheat? Because they see all those little blades coming up. But they're little bitty, teeny, tiny green blades, but they can recognize them. They're farmers. And he says, an enemy has done this to his servants. And the servant says, well, we'll just go and pull them up. He said, no, not so. But let them grow together, because if you pull up the tares, you will root up the wheat also. Because why? Sit them right next to each other, and now the roots are already intertwined. They're in all the churches, in all the ministries, preaching the gospel everywhere. And Paul said, Satan transforms his demons into messengers of light, preaching the gospel. You're like, Brother Stephen, that is so deceptive. Yeah. How would you know? By the word. You give them the word test. Because Christ is the word. It's pretty simple. It's so simple that a fool should not err therein. But when you give them the word test, listen, one of the greatest preachers of the land, and he says, listen to what he says. It's, it's one of the biggest ones they use. Yeah, but I feel. What did they do it? The word come, and the moment the word came, they stepped right over it and said, yeah, but I feel. Yeah, but God speaks to me. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit said to me. And listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if an angel... If any other person, any other minister, or an angel from heaven comes and preaches to you any other gospel than what I have already preached, let him be anathema, a curse. Let him be a curse, because he already saw it coming. Let him be anathema. He said, if I myself come and preach another gospel than what I already preached, let him be anathema. Let me be a curse. So then what? Paul laid the foundation. You see people say, well, Paul was an old woman hammer. He didn't let us preach. Yeah? It was the Word. He laid the Word. You say, yeah, but I, I, I received the words of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. You step right over the gospel and damned your soul. That in itself, how, how cursory you handed the Word, showed why God wouldn't let you preach it. Because you sold it out like Eve. That's what Paul said. Why? Why wouldn't God allow... Her to preach the gospel. He said, because Eve, being deceived, was in the transgression. Adam not being deceived. Adam was deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew he was sinning. He didn't justify it to himself. They say that's why men get caught cheating more than women. Because women, they actually internalize their actions that it's okay or what they're doing, they actually believe it. In doing so, they become more deceptive. They say when men cheat, they know they're doing bad. And if they're, they're leaving red flags everywhere. They walk and what? Guilt. They're doing it because they want to do it. They don't deceive themselves. But Paul said, Eve, the woman being deceived, was in the transgression. So I suffer not, I do not allow her to handle the gospel. Also, 
saith the Old Testament, he said. But you watch them, they say, well, praise God, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, it may be a spirit, but there was nothing holy about it, because it doesn't go over the Word. Amen? And you gobbled it down, hook, line, and sinker, and down, not only damned your own soul, the soul of all them that listen to you. Amen? Give it the Word test. That's why you're not hooked to any church or anybody else. You're not hooked to Brother Stephen. Friends, you're not, you're not married to me. You're not married to this church. Like Paul said, I espouse you to one, and that is Christ Jesus. Amen? I espouse you to him as a chaste virgin, not as Eve who was deceived being in the transgression. See? See where you're at? And then Christ said, in five more minutes, Christ said, let them grow together until the harvest time. Because if you tear up the wheat, they're intertwined so much, you'd, you'd wreck the whole church. What? Worldwide. And he goes to explain it. In 36 verse, and he said, the field is the world, the seed is the word of God. The corn or the wheat are the children of the kingdom. The wheat are the children of the darkness that have been sown in God's field. They are the tares. Amen? Let them grow together until the harvest time or the end. And he said the harvest time is the end of the world. See where we're at? We're coming into harvest time. We have more on top of the earth than underneath the earth that ever lived and died. So then you say, well, you can see it was building to something. Every one of them, I'll preach this one time, were carriers of those traits to bring this to its great harvest. All the angels are gathering. What? On both sides. They're all coming for their final pay down. You even get to the point where every style that ever lived is coming back up. What? All the spirits are coming with them. Every ideology, they're all coming up out of it, everywhere from every bottomless dark corners, from every corners of the heavens, they're all gathering. We're getting together for the harvest time. Everybody, listen, they've all been promised. Every deep angel, every dark angel has been promised, follow me and you'll have a place, a fight in that final battle. God has promised his church, follow me and you'll be brought up at the harvest time. See what I mean? There's, there's called a resurrection of the dead. The trump of God shall sound. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. The trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Right. See? At the harvest time. Right. We're coming up on it. Right. Amen? Christ said, And I shall send forth mine angels, my messengers. I shall send forth, and they shall what? Preach the word. And they shall gather all that doeth offend in my Lord's kingdom. And they shall Gather them together. Bundle them for the burning. And they shall gather the wheat into the heavenly garner for the Father's kingdom. That's what Christ was talking about. So him, knowing all that's taking place, and listen to this, when some woman come walking up, one of the apostles' mother, and said, Lord, let, when you come into your kingdom, let one of my sons sit on your left hand, one sit on the right. He said, look, it is not mine to give. It has, why? Because I'm down here paying the supreme sacrifice. It's not mine to give. It has already been prepared. It has already been given to those who it's been prepared for. And listen to what Christ says about you. To them that overcome out of this age, I'll get into it. Your reward is to sit with me in my throne as I have overcome and sat down with my Father in His throne, right. is already been prepared. Right. It has already been spelled out, laid out, everything. The whole book from start to finish has already been written. And now we're coming into a closing hour. We're coming up on the harvest time. Everything is ripe. Do you think any agenda could get any riper? I mean, it's such to a point, listen, that 
if they don't agree with if you don't agree with me, we don't even speak. What is this doing? They're gathering themselves together, bundling for the hurting. They don't even know it. We have nothing to do with each other. It didn't used to be that way. Even churches are doing it. Little bundles. See? The reapers go through the fields and they cut the wheat. And then they gather it together, a bundle. Those that grab the bundles will come after us. And they'll pitch it in the wagons. Here's the reapers. Grab it. They'll bundle it and go to the next crop. Bundle it, go to the next crop. And there they're sitting in the field waiting for those that toss it in the wagons. So if we're that close and we're already what? Seeing the bundling standing there in the field. Already been bundled, folks. We're certainly close. All you got to do is now gather the bundle them and gather them. So we're waiting for the gathering. Gathering of what? The gathering of all things. I will say this. I'm going to close this. And I ain't got time to explain it. But before long, you will see the saints that have gone on before start coming back up. The gathering. That's what the Bible tells us. And when you see them, dear God, Luther and all his group, hearing on. Wesley and all his group. That looks like Abraham and his group. That looks like David and all his group. That looks like St. Paul and his group. And they're going, wow, man, things have changed around here. That's what they did at the first resurrection, the Bible says. The saints that had gone on before, they walked around the city and were seen by many for the space of about 40 days. All those that were in paradise. It won't be long. We're getting that close. Friends. And then you say, well, why did God allow to do it so you can come to harvest? They shake their If he is a God, why does he let so much evil so you can come to harvest? You are the evil. Why does he let them abort? What? Women destroy and kill their own baby? So you can what? So he knows where to place you. What's the first thing he did? Oh, don't, don't say it's a baby. That's what we always do. As humans, the first thing we do is we make it a subpar class. Dehumanize it. Remember, blacks were only three-fifths human. That's why we could do what we did to them. Don't you remember? Jews, not human. Not human. That's, why we, that's why Hitler could, could just send them into the gas chambers. Jews weren't human. They dehumanized them. It's not a baby, it's a fetus. What did you just do? You dehumanized it so you could destroy it. For conscious sakes, remember? Virtue signaling. I didn't destroy a baby, do what I want. Proud, abortion and proud. Dehumanized it. So you could show your own colors. And God let you do it. What about those that are down on their knees going, God, I'm suffering so bad to keep it straight for the cause of Christ. I need your angels, Lord, to come minister to me. Bear me up, give me strength, Father. I'm doing all I can, Lord. But Lord, I feel like I'm being consumed by the fires of tribulation and temptation. And if you don't hold me up, God, I'm just telling you, my days are over. You mean to tell me you're willing to walk to the stake of persecution and die for the cause of Christ? Yeah. That's my boy. That's my boy. Looks just like me. Willing to go to Calvary for the cause of Christ. And we sing that song, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. We heard their voices sing in the flames. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. The cause of Christ they would not deny. God let them burn them. His own children. So they could show their colors. And he said, be faithful even unto death. And I will give unto you the martyr's crown. The martyr's crown. He knows. I just want. If I can get. Did I get it across to you that God knows exactly what He's doing? There's not one thing that could happen that He hasn't already known and had it all thoroughly planned out. And He said, "All that my Father has given me, 
They're in my hand already. And I will lose not one. That's how confident he was of you. If you're his, I will not lose one. Amen. But he tried, all that cometh to God must be tried, the Bible says, to see what seed they're really off. And he puts, lets you put your will up against. It will every time, I'm just telling you. If it hasn't happened yet, you'll have a big trial in life. And your desires and your will will come in direct opposition to the Word of God. And now you're being judged whether you know it or not. You will make a choice. And that choice is what eternity will look like for you. That's why Christ in Gethsemane begged, let this cup pass from me. But God's complete and utter silence, a sheet of darkness, God had completely and utterly rejected him. He stood up and knew the will of God. He will not let me out of this. And Christ said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. He walked right into Calvary. God does it every time. Let's stand together. With those thoughts in mind, and we think about the calls of Christ, the world in which we're in, we all have personal desires. But how many would say, Lord, I am but a man. I have my desires and my will. And I pray that you fulfill them, Lord. Help me live a happy, gentle life. But Father, if my will ever runs in opposition to your word, I ask you to give me grace to set my will aside for the calls of Christ. How many raise your hands to that? Amen. To that. Lord, give me the strength and the grace in the trying hour to set my will aside for the calls of Christ. That's what I want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've preached your word. Every person has made their declaration, Father. They desire, Lord, the strength and the grace and the wisdom to set their will aside for the cause of Christ. I pray, Father, that that is an ultimate reality to them while you lift them on high. And you said, ye that make it out of that age in the harvest time shall shine as the stars of heaven. Father, I ask that you let your children shine like the stars of heaven in that hour. Give us strength and grace, Lord. It's been great, Father, to be in your presence, to hear your word preached, the inspiration in which it was given, Father. Lord, we love you for that. We ask, Father, to help us live that, Lord, and have a better understanding. In your name we pray, amen. Now let us worship. We've heard the word. Let's give him praise for what he's done for us. Amen.